So, once again, um, my name is Dan, and I am a street missionary, street preacher by, by trade. That means I go out into those places in the community where people gather so that I can share the gospel with those who would normally never darken the door of a church. Um, and there's an increasing number of those, sadly, in the Bay Area. So there is definitely a need for that kind of work. Now, some people may hear that and say, well, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm glad that God has called you to that. I haven't been called to that. I feel very uncomfortable sharing the faith. Um, it scares me to talk about these difficult things. Um, but, but you know what? This is not something that came naturally to me either. I don't have, I'm not a naturally outgoing person. I'm, I'm, I'm much more reserved, much more quiet. But early on, I, God encouraged me and convicted me about the need to share the gospel, and then he gave me the tools to do that. Um, one of the ways that he did that was through something called the Ambassadors Academy, which some of you might have heard before. It was run, and I think they're still running it in the summers now, uh, by a ministry called Living Waters and a guy named Ray Comfort. How many of you guys know Ray Comfort? Okay, good. Ray Comfort, neat guy. Um, his ministry has impacted me in ways that I can't even express. I got a chance to go down to Southern California and spend some time with him a couple of months ago. He is just a character. If you ever get a chance, if you ever get to Southern California, or I think we have some uh, friends visiting from Southern California, go out and visit the, the ministry. You'll, you'll be tremendously encouraged. <clears throat> anyway, so going through that training really had a radical change in my life. I saw what biblical evangelism should look like, and it introduced me to many methods of sharing the gospel and gave me many evangelism opportunities, including introducing me to the ministry that I'm with today, Open Air Campaigners. Our, our ministries are, are friendly. So um, that used me, and or I had, God used that experience to encourage me. I used to be scared to death to share the gospel. It used to be difficult to be, get out there on the street and hand somebody a tract. And today, it's still difficult sometimes, <laughs> you know. But I have seen God work through those opportunities and how he has used my, how he has, I don't want to say that how he's used my faithfulness. That sounds too much like propping myself up. But what I do want to share with you guys is that if you will be faithful, if you will step out and do what God has called you to, he will use you in incredible ways and you will see him work. So that's a huge thing of a huge part of what I want to talk about today. I want today's message to really be encouraging. And I was thinking, I've given this message one other time. And I was thinking when I was preparing it, how can I kind of give a word of encouragement, but still kind of encapsulate it and make it organized and things like that? And a question came to my mind, a question that, is asked, uh, that has often been asked to me um, about why should anybody share the gospel? If God is sovereign, if we believe that God has control over everything and that everything is uh, uh, predestined, in the right sense of the word, um, then why bother sharing the gospel? Hasn't God already decided who's going to be saved? Do, he doesn't really need us for this process, does he? Have you guys ever asked that question to yourself? I've been asked that question a lot. And over the years, I kind of formulated a three-part answer for that. And that three-part answer is what I'm going to use as our template today. So why should we share the gospel if God is sovereign? Three reasons. Number one, because God has commanded us to. It's a matter of obedience. Number two, because God chooses the means as well as the ends, and people are the primary means that God uses toward the end of salvation. And finally, because if God would choose you, to be a participant in his miracle of salvation, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? So, number one, obedience. Number two, purpose. And number three, joy. The joy of sharing the gospel. I'll talk about each of those, how God has used them in my life, and I'm going to be sprinkling kind of encouraging stories throughout there. Sometimes they're called war stories, but I don't want them to sound negative. These are ways that God has worked, that I've seen him work in incredible ways. So, once again, the three things, obedience, because God has commanded us to, 
purpose, because we are the primary means to God's ends in evangelism and joy. If God might use you in that process, why wouldn't you want to be part of it? So number one, obedience. God commands every believer to share the gospel. And frankly, that should be enough. Um, we see in uh, Mark sixteen fifteen, Scripture says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jude 20, 21 through 23 says, Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. And we need to look at it from that perspective. This really is a matter of life and death. There's an urgency to this ministry. And, of course, the Great Commission. We know that from Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, all of us have heard the Great Commission, I would imagine, but how often do we really think of it? We really do need to. This is a command from God. But even though we know it's a commandment, once again, it's a struggle. For all of us at some level, our fleshly nature fights against that. There's a problem of selfishness and pride in all of us. I would argue that if you go back to the beginning, selfishness and pride are kind of the foundational sins that so much of our other sin flows out of. Think about it. What got Satan kicked out of heaven? Selfishness and pride. What got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Selfishness and pride. And so much of the other sin in our life grows out of that. So, you know, the, the, the enemy is going to be playing on those things when we desire to step out in faith and share the gospel. And we can't forget that evangelism really is spiritual warfare. So the enemy doesn't want us to share the gospel. You know, Satan knows that he is condemned. Misery loves company. He wants to bring as many people with him when he goes to his final just reward. So we need to make sure that we are in the word and in prayer and that we have our armor on. Ephesians 6 reminds us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't take that lightly, my friends. If you do any kind of regular sharing of the gospel, you will see God work. You will see the enemy trying to shut you down too. So make sure that you are spiritually prepared. But be encouraged. Even if you go out to share the gospel or take that step of faith, I often talk about going out because I go out to the streets, but evangelism can be done within your local sphere of influence, in your home, in your business, in your, in your community, in your neighborhood or whatever. It doesn't always have to be a trip. But be encouraged, even when you step out only out of duty and obedience, you will see God work. A good example that always encourages me is um, there was a time, this was probably seven or eight years ago, I'm guessing, maybe a little bit longer, um, I tried to, even back before I was a regular missionary, I tried to schedule time so that I could keep myself accountable and making sure that I'm going out to the streets. And I tried to do things, you know, once or twice a week back then. And there was a day that I had decided to go out to downtown San Jose to share the gospel. And I really didn't want to go. I was getting over being sick. I was still really tired. I'd had a long week at work. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go home and have a cup of coffee and sit on the couch in front of the TV. But I said, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I made this commitment. I'm going to go out. And I walked around for a little bit, and I tried to hand out tracts. People weren't taking tracts, and that was discouraging. The guy that was supposed to join me had said he wasn't going to be able to show up. He ended up coming at the last minute. So... Kind of a last-ditch effort. Okay, I'm going to try this one more time, 
and see what God does. So I pulled out a pack of gospel tracts. You guys obviously know what gospel tracts are. The lobby's full of them. And the gospel tract looked like this. You guys seen one of these before? Yeah, giant $100 bill. They can be really effective. Kids like them in particular. But in this case, there was another reason why people wanted them. It was Lunar New Year. Some of you know about Lunar New Year that one of the traditions is those little red envelopes that people will receive that are a sign of prosperity and good luck for the next year. I opened a pack of these things. I tell you, I've never seen tracks go out of my hand so quickly before. I handed out a pack of 100 of them in probably five to 10 minutes. I couldn't get them into people's hands fast enough. So that's just an example. I didn't want to be there. I said, God, I'm going to obey anyway. God used that time to help those so those people could receive the gospel, and it really encouraged me. So God does use your faithfulness and your obedience. Your obedience. And also be encouraged because when you struggle with evangelism, you're not alone. As I said, I struggle with it as well. Even someone like Ray Comfort, where who many of you have heard, he'll say himself, he often goes out dragging his feet, but then comes back clicking his heels <laughs> because he sees God work. So many people struggle with this, even the people with the most of experience. But when we obey, we see God's faithfulness. So I, I'll encourage you to just ask yourself, what is it that's holding you back from sharing your faith. And if there's something that's holding you back, can you do something about it? Are you feel fearful of evangelism because you don't feel prepared? Then get prepared. There are resources out there. There are people like Living Waters and their ministry that provide evangelism training. There are people like me that are local who would be happy to have you come out and join me on the street or talk to you on the phone, answer some of your questions, help calm some of your, some of your concerns. You know, get prepared. The resources are there. Now, some people are scared because, well, I'm not prepared. I, I don't know the right answers. What if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to? That's okay. That can actually give you an opportunity, a couple of opportunities. It gives you the opportunity to have an area of study. This is a place where I can learn and grow so I can be better able to, to share the gospel, to do God's work. It can also be an opportunity if somebody asks you a question you don't know the answer to when you hand them a gospel tract. Hmm, I don't know the answer to that. But you know what? I can find the answer to that. Why don't I get your phone number or your email address? You know, let's meet in a week or so. I'll buy you a meal or I'll buy you a cup of coffee and I'll share with you what we found. Or what I found. That's, that's an opportunity to build relationship that can last over time. So don't look at it as a problem. Look at it as an opportunity. And you know what? You will get better with practice. You will start being more comfortable with sharing and dealing with some of those difficult questions. Evangelism is a spiritual thing and it is a work of the Holy Spirit. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit when we share the gospel. But it is also in a real way a learned skill. And how do you get better at any learned skill? You practice. So get out there and practice. So are you fearful maybe, not only of being unprepared, but of being mocked, of looking foolish or crazy, of people saying, well, what's wrong with that person, that Christianity? Nobody really believes that, do they? Are you worried about being mocked? Is that going to happen? Yeah, it will. You know, and it's okay. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. And we do need to take up our cross. But you know what? It doesn't happen as much as people expect. The media has largely told us Christianity is passe or it's stupid. And nobody believes that stuff anymore. Nobody wants to hear that. It's not true. Most people, if you learn to present yourself well, if you are respectful and polite, they will be respectful and polite in return, and they will listen to what you have to say. Particularly if you let them talk and take real interest in their point of view and where they're coming from. So people will listen. But if you are worried about being mocked, if you do get made fun of, 
Deal with it. Take up your cross and follow Jesus, and he will use that. And be encouraged in this. Often the people that we think would be least interested in hearing the gospel are the ones God has specifically prepared to hear. Really. I have this tendency, and I think we all have this tendency, when we think about sharing Jesus with somebody, you think about a person, you look at them, and you say, nah, that person wouldn't be interested. Has anybody else done that before? Yeah, I've definitely done that before, and something that God convicted me on pretty early in my active ministry was when I'm out sharing the gospel, handing out tracts to people, I don't get to decide who I'm going to try to hand one to and who I'm not. If they walk by me, I'm handing the tract out to them. And uh, I remember a specific situation. I was at a festival in downtown Campbell, and they have a couple of big art and wine festivals every year. And I saw the guy walking up toward me who looked like the perfect example of the person that would not be interested in the gospel. He was, I'm going to date myself saying this, that's okay. He looked like the consummate, young, upwardly mobile professional. You know, he had the, he had the stylish designer jeans, and he had the, uh, the leather shoes with the pointed tip on them, and he had the perfectly creased dress shirt with the long, you know, the long collars there, and his unbuttoned a couple of spaces here, and the slicked back hair and the expensive glasses. I'm like, this guy is not going to be interested in the gospel, but... God convicted me. I handed him a tract. Anyway, 45 minutes later, <laughs> after we had finished talking, and I'm sorry, I get passionate about this. This is, it's so neat to see God work. And you miss the opportunity if you keep it to yourself. 45 minutes later, we finished this conversation. And he said, you know, I don't even know why. I wasn't even sure what to do today. I just needed something to do. So I decided to come and walk around to this art and wine festival. You know, I, I didn't have any purpose here. I didn't think. Now I know why I needed to be here today. So when the unbeliever sees the divine, recognizes the divine appointment before you do, that's an amazing thing. And I've seen that many times. So once again, the person that you sometimes least expect to be interested is the person that God has prepared. Also, be encouraged. The results are not your problem. I think this really trips people up. What if I say something wrong? You know, what if the person doesn't, uh, doesn't hear the gospel clearly explained? They're, you know, it, it, will it be my fault that this person doesn't become a Christian? No. That's not your fault. Success in evangelism is about one word. Obedience. You step out. You take that step of faith. You hand the gospel tract. You have the conversation with somebody. The results are in God's hands, not yours. So take that weight off your shoulders. Step out in faith. Watch God work. So number one, obedience. Number two, purpose. A means to God's end. We are the primary means that God uses for his end, the salvation of souls. With possibly one exception, every person that came to faith, at least that, that I can think of in the, in the Bible, every person that came to faith came to faith because somebody shared the gospel with them. The one exception would probably be Paul. He got evangelized by Jesus Christ directly. Knocks him on his back, says, you're mine, now you're going to, here's what you're going to do for me. But in every other circumstance, the gospel, people come to faith through the gospel by another Christian sharing with them. We are the primary means to God's ends. And Romans 10 tells us, you know, how will they hear? I mean, I'm going to read the, the whole thing because I think it's, it's important and it's an encouragement. It's going to be Romans 10. Verses 14 and 15. And there we go. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are, are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And are, how are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those 
who preach the good news. So we are the means to God's ends. Evangelism is also a means of us walking out our purpose and calling. It is a means for us to glorify God, and glorifying God is our purpose. Sometimes people say, well, what's our purpose in life? That's a big question that I hear from people on a regular basis. What is our purpose? To glorify God and to have relationship with him. When we share the gospel, it gives great glory to God. One of my favorite passages that speaks of that is Ephesians 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And listen to this. This is about God's glory and the gospel. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory glory. God being glorified through the proclamation and through the work of the gospel. What an amazing thing that is. Evangelism is a means for us walking out our primary purpose and calling. And evangelism is in a very real way an act of worship. God is so glorified in the preaching of his saving work and in the salvation of souls. So we need to preach the gospel. Um, think about the great commandment. Now, we've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about the great commission. But what about the great commandment? What is the great commandment? Simplified. Love God. Love others. Right? If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. We love God by following his commandment to share the gospel, also loving others. Often when we think about loving others, we think about doing things for them, meeting their felt needs. But what is every person on earth's greatest need? Salvation. If you show real love for someone, you meet them at their point of greatest need, and people desperately need the saving power of the gospel, whether they realize it or not. So we love God and we love others when we share the gospel. But how do we get started in the process of sharing the gospel? This is, I think, a sticking point for a lot of people. It's one thing to have the conviction that I need to do this. But where do you start? Well, some of the things I've already shared with you because, well, I mean, for instance, number one, Get some training. Where can you start? Make sure that you have the basic outline and the basic information that you need to share the gospel. Get some training. Go to a group like Living Waters or talk to me. I can help you with that process, number one. Number two, pray for opportunities. If you want the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, pray consistently, ongoing, long-term. I guarantee God will start opening up those opportunities for you. When you're trying to step out in obedience, he will honor that and he will give you those opportunities. Number three, find prayer and evangelism partners. Jesus sent out the disciples how? By themselves? Two by two. (laughs) 
There's a lot of other two-by-twos in this room. Look at the people around you. If you've got a friend or a family member or something, talk to them. Work as a team. Support each other. Help each other. Encourage each other. Number four, where else can you start? Listen for spiritual conversation starters. I think a lot of the time we, we kind of separate the, the secular from the spiritual and when we're in a secular setting, well, we can't really talk about spiritual things, can we? Yeah, we can. Spiritual conversations, spiritual things come up in conversation all the time. You know, moral truths, religious truths, what's happening in our world, you know, things like, you know, school shootings or something like that. Why is it that something like that happens? You know, maybe if somebody brought that up in conversation, well, we live in a fallen world. Men and, and men and women have, have, a, have this natural sinful tendency and there's a, a start of a spiritual conversation. You know, you just have to train yourself to listen. An, an example, I remember... Um, this was probably 10 years ago at work. And uh, you got to be careful sharing the gospel at work because a lot of places have limits on what you're supposed to say. Work on pushing those limits. <laughs> um, because, you know, as important as it is, as you have a way to support yourself, there are souls that work with you at that job that are going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And so that's much more important. But anyways, I remember uh, when I was at work, when I was in the secular world as my primary job, I would even keep like a, a stack of tracts on the corner of my, my desk so that people could take them if they wanted to. And, you know, if somebody would see it and ask what it was about, oh, it's a gospel track. It talks about life, death, heaven, and hell, what happens after you die. You can take one if you want. You're not obligated to. And I had some some good conversations grow out of that. I remember... One time I had one of my employees, and I don't remember whether it was specifically because of the gospel track, but somehow the topic of what I believed came up, and, and I talked about, you know, there's the, the reality of sin, and people are going to spend, you know, eternity in hell if they don't have payment for their sins. And, and, and this is a person that's, I mean, they answer to me. That's always a, a, a challenging situation and when this person walked out i'm like did i just step in something this is this could be a problem is this going to come back to bite me oh well it is what it is the person you know got some food for thought and maybe they'll think about it and consider it and maybe they won't and i just left it in god's hands and probably i want to say two or three weeks after that that same employee came in on their own, and said, you know, you had mentioned something about judgment and hell a while back, and I've been thinking about that, and it's really been bothering me. Can you tell me more? So, and that led to a, a, a more in-depth gospel conversation. And once again, God will honor those steps of faith. So, get training, pray for opportunities, find prayer and evangelism partners, listen for spiritual conversation starters, Hand somebody a tract or leave one for somebody. A lot of churches, I have to explain what a tract is. Most of you probably have seen one. If you haven't seen one, go out and look around the lobby. They're all over the place back there and good quality ones. It's just a little piece of paper, pamphlet, you know, with some interesting ideas in it, something that people can, can read. You can give those to somebody or you can leave them there, um, leave them somewhere for somebody to find. Um, do be careful, of course, there are good and bad tracts. Not all tracts are created equal. Make sure you read through them before you hand them out. Um, but I can give you recommendations on some good places. And a, a uh, well-placed tract can have a tremendous impact, even when you don't mean it to. Another kind of fun story. Um, you'll be surprised what God will do through a little slip of paper, you know, I had this, this tract particularly here is a, is a little, uh, it's one that I've written. It's a little evangelistic poem. And uh, I might be sharing this at the end of the service if we have time. But I used to have it printed on a card, like a, five, a three by five card or larger one. And I remember one of my employees, again, because I had them on the edge of my desk, saw one of these and asked about it and I told him what it was and 
And I didn't think about anything about it, you know, afterwards. And I had gone down to hand out gospel tracts and preach. We used to preach outside, me and some friends, outside the bars and clubs in downtown San Jose on Friday and Saturday nights. That's kind of where I cut my street preaching teeth. It gave me a challenging um, environment, but it was good. And I, somebody took one of the tracts that I had handed them and tossed it on the ground. I'm walking by and I see one of my tracks on the ground and I'm ready to pick it up. And somebody who was with me, lady who was with me, said, no, 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 God has convicted me on this. When a gospel track gets dropped onto the ground, it's there for a reason. Just leave it. It's meant for somebody else. Okay, whatever. Didn't really take it seriously, but okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go with her convictions on this one if it makes her feel better. Then I come into work a couple of days later. And one of my employees who had seen that tract before said, oh, yeah, remember that, that tract that you gave me? I was downtown on Saturday, and I saw this tract on the ground. And I was with a bunch of friends, and one of my friends picked it up. I said, oh, I know what that is. My boss hands these out. So I turned it over, and I read it to all my friends. Now, this, is, this is not by accident. This tract... It isn't sold anywhere. I wrote it. I had it printed. It could only have come from me or one of my friends that was out there. God uses something simple like this for his purposes. It's neat. Or even another one, uh, million-dollar bills. You guys have probably seen the million-dollar bill gospel tracts. Um, I've got some that I've, you know, so a more in-depth one that I've written. I've given those to people and, and had them keep them long after what I thought they would. I, I, Christmas in the Park. How many of you guys have been to Christmas in the Park in downtown San Jose before? Big Christmas festival they have down in Cesar Chavez Park um, in the middle of downtown San Jose. It's from Black Friday through New Year's. I go there every year, usually a couple of times a week to share the gospel. Fantastic place. I remember being down there in the middle of the day, too, just because I wanted some place to go out and share the gospel. And I go and I try to hand one to the guy at the little ticket booth for the carnival rides that are down there. You know, because he's there. And here you go. Did you get one of these? He said, no, you gave one of those to me like three years ago. See, here it is. I still have it in the till. And he did. Or I had a, I, uh, when I was doing security, security management is my professional background. I used to run the, uh, the security departments at Valley Fair and at Santana Row. Most of you guys have probably been there before. And I remember talking to a, a guy who owned a, a cart. I think it was like cell phone accessories or something in Valley mm -hmm. Fair. And I, one time he mentioned something about being a millionaire someday. So I said, here, here you go, million dollar bill. Once again, kind of pushing the limits because I'm at work, you know, and he's a client, but I did it anyway. And uh, about a year and a half later, somehow the million-dollar thing came up in conversation, and he said, oh, that, that, that gospel tract, I still have that. He pulls out his wallet, he opens his wallet, and he pulls out the million-dollar bill. You know why? He was a Muslim. He said, this has Jesus' name on it. Jesus, we consider a prophet. I can't throw away something with a prophet's name on it. So like a year, year and a half later, he's still got that gospel tract. And I guarantee you he's read it at least once. So gospel tracts, great, great way, great means that you can use. Number six, join a team on the street or go on a mission trip. Also good ways to call out, to walk out your calling to share the gospel. Um, does some people wonder, does street ministry or street preaching work? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. God will use opportunities out on the street, reaching those people um, who would never come into a church with the gospel message. Now, you want to make sure that you do it right, and you want to make sure you are careful who you partner with, because there are good street preachers and street missionaries, and there are bad ones too. Hopefully I'm on the good side. I try to be very careful how I present myself out there. But just an example of uh, God using that to reach somebody who wouldn't come to a church. Uh, one of my favorite places to preach is down in Monterey, um, right on uh, near Old Fisherman's Wharf. Some of you guys have probably been there. Great touristy area. A lot of locals come through too. I like the mix of tourists and locals. And uh, I was out. One of the primary tools that I use is, is a paint board. It's a three foot by four foot now. So it's kind of like a uh, almost like a, an old-school PowerPoint. You know, you line out the, the basics of the message and draw a cross on there. and So it's a good way to connect with people. People are very visual. So I'm starting a presentation, and we've got some 
lesbian girls walk by the board. Well, how do you know they were lesbians? The giant rainbow capes they had around their neck that they were walking, and they were heckling me. So I decided, and I'll do this sometimes, politely but pointedly, hey, have the courage of your convictions. Come back and talk to me. I would love to have a conversation with you. They kept going. I kept going with my presentation. I get to the end of the presentation about 15, 20 minutes later, and as I'm finishing up, they walk up to the board. And we had a fantastic conversation. They, like a lot of uh, the LGBTQ groups, say, oh, Christians hate us. They've been hateful to us. This bad thing has happened. That bad thing has happened. And we were able to go through that conversation, and we get to the end. Hey, you said you've been abused before. You've been treated badly before. Did I treat you badly? Was I hateful toward you? They said, no. And they walked away not convinced, but with the gospel message in their mind. And out of that conversation grew two or three more conversations. Because, of course, you're out in a public place, and you see a street preacher, and you see the lesbian girls walking up to them. What do you expect? Expect a fight. So, crowd comes in. Everybody likes to watch a train wreck. It's sad, but it's true. And so we had several other good conversations that sprung off of that. And this, this is actually interesting. This one, my ministry partner was video recording it at the time. This is up on YouTube. You can watch the whole, the whole situation. It was pretty neat the way God worked. So once again, join the street team or go on a mission trip. Now, mission trips, how many of you guys have been on mission trips before? A few of you. Good. Mission trips can be a great thing provided that there is active gospel work that goes on. Sometimes a mission trip is just a matter of going to the other side of the world, going to a third world country, building a house, giving people food, something like that. All good things, but once again, we want to meet people at their point of greatest need. That means, yes, feed their bodies, but feed their souls as well. Make sure that the gospel is being actively preached because Scripture says in Romans 1, it is the gospel that is the power of God to salvation, not your good works as important as they are. Finally, um, what else can you do to step into this? And this may sound a little self-serving, but I'm going to say it anyway. You can also support the work of people that do this kind of work and that train others to do this kind of work regularly, people like me. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, I would love to talk to you at the end. Um, But remember this, the fact that you support missionaries, whether it be me or somebody else, does not excuse you the responsibility of sharing the gospel. Don't just throw your money there and figure that your um, responsibility is over. No, you are responsible for sharing Christ in whatever your sphere of influence is. You are responsible to be faithful where God has placed you. And, you know, it, and that can be tough because evangelism is real work. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. There is no magic bullet. It's a learned skill. It takes practice and it takes time. Um, it is a journey. But that journey is well worth it, and there is tremendous joy in the journey of evangelism. And that's our third point. So once again, we want to be obedient. We want to, be, to walk out that purpose. We are the primary means to God's ends of evangelism. And there is great joy in sharing the gospel and in walking, watching God work. I mean, just think about the privilege that we have. Sinful people that we are by nature. What a privilege it is to handle something so valuable. Think about what a a human soul is worth. I mean, if you were to preach the gospel, share the gospel, hand people tracts, talk to people your whole life, and one person got saved, would that be worth it? Absolutely. One soul, which will spend eternity in heaven or hell, is worth every minute of your time, every penny in your bank account, and every drop of blood in your veins. That's how valuable one soul is. And we need to keep that in mind when we are challenged, uh, when, we are, when it is a difficult thing, where it's hard to take that step. We need to remember how important It is. And it is an amazing thing to watch God work. And I'm not even, when when I go out into the street, I'm I'm 
I've been sharing these encouraging stories. This isn't even all about people saying, what must I do to be saved? This is just watching God's God work. When you share the truth of who he is, when you share about, about sin and, and our brokenness and fallenness before God. And watching those people out on the streets, we, we'll, we'll see people that will often come up when I'm painting or when I'm preaching or doing something else. And they kind of come up with a flippant attitude and laughing and joking a little bit. And then you start getting into the meat of the gospel and you just watch that face change. Going from silly to serious. We wait for that change. It's an incredible thing. Because many people have, have heard Bible stories but never really gotten hold of what the gospel truly is. So they can come to understand biblical truth through our, our sharing it. It's one of my favorite stories because you see that the gospel is completely unique and revolutionary. Often people think of it as just another religious set of religious convictions, but it's not. The Christian gospel is unique and different than any other faith. Every other faith is a do faith. This is what you have to do to earn God's pleasure. Whatever your God is. If you want to make the God happy, you have to do this. You have to go to this place. You have to give this much money. You have to you know, follow this, this uh, list of requirements. Every other faith is a do faith. Christianity is a done faith. The price has been paid. The work has been done. We just need to trust on the work that has already been accomplished. This was thrown into kind of um, just uh, made clear to me with a lady right here in downtown Redwood City a few years ago. I was out there on the corner. You guys probably know this if you're local. um, On the corner of Courthouse Square, diagonally across from the five guys now, that corner there is where I usually go. Five guys, and you got the movie theaters, and you got stuff. Very active area. And I was getting close to the end of the night, and I had a couple of uh, Muslim ladies come up to me. Yeah, younger, you know, probably in their 20s. They're both wearing the hijabs, which is the, the headscarf that you guys have seen. And some people get really offended by the headscarves. I, I, it doesn't bother me. That is a sign of modesty in their culture, even though I don't think it's necessary. Modesty is not a bad thing in this culture. we got a real problem with that. Anyway, they walk up to the, the board, and both of them are first generation from Saudi Arabia who came over here, I believe it was for school, and then stayed to work. The sad thing is both of them had, had friends and coworkers who they knew were Christians who had never taken the time to share the gospel with them. Don't be that person, my friends. Please don't be that person. Oh, um, so I talked to this lady, this Muslim lady. One of them in particular was doing most of the talking and asking most of the questions. The other one was standing and listening. And at one point in the conversation, she says, you mean I could go to sleep tonight knowing that if I died, my sins would be forgiven and I would be in heaven? That's amazing because there's no assurance in islam it's works not grace despite what they may say but the gospel message is about grace and it is a unique and amazing thing also be encouraged that even when you're sharing the gospel um, what you see on the surface may be different than what's going on in the heart and then a good example of that is another one of my f- uh, favorite stories, and I'm kind of going to end with this one. And this was in downtown Monterey. I've had the privilege a couple of times to preach on the uh, Monterey Presidio military base, and um, I was there earlier in the day, and then we went to downtown Monterey to share the gospel afterwards and had a young man come up to me, and he was like so many that you have probably met. Ah, yeah, I grew up in that thing. I was raised a Christian. But then I went to school, and they told me what was real. And, you know, I have this question and this disagreement and this contradiction within the Bible and stuff like that. You guys probably heard that from people before. But in that moment, 
And this is just another sign of God's faithfulness. God gave me a word. And I don't mean I heard a verbal thing or anything like that. God didn't appear in the clouds or anything. But he made it very clear in my spirit how I was to respond to that person. And this is not the only time this has happened. And so I turned to that guy and I said, no, you don't doubt that God exists. You know that he exists and you're running from him. And he tried to kind of false start and come up with more objections a couple of times and then just hung his head and nodded. And by the end of that conversation, we were laying hands on him and praying for him, and he was weeping and repenting. And he told us at the end of that conversation, if you hear from me, again, it's because I need help, but otherwise know that I'm right with God and I'm getting back into church and I'm doing good. And it's amazing. There is no greater joy No greater privilege than seeing something like that happen and seeing God work. So that's really today's encouragement is be obedient. Take that step of faith. Walk out God's calling and purpose for you. Be that means to God's end and watch what he does. It's a neat thing. And if there's anything that makes life worthwhile, it's that. I want to end with, with one thing. I think we're just about out of time. We're good. I never want to end a message like this without sharing the gospel, uh, a clear gospel message, because I imagine most of you in here are probably Christians, but some of you may not be. And I think this is an encouragement, too, because God can use whatever gifting he's given you for his glory. We have some freedom and flexibility in how we can share the gospel. Um, One of the things that God gave me a while ago was a little evangelistic poem. And this is, uh, there are some of these back there, and it's also got my ministry information on it. Um, But I poured a lot of myself into this, so if I get emotional, bear with me. Um, But you should get emotional about the gospel and pour yourself into it. There's there's no, no better way to spend your time. But the poem is called, What If? And it goes like this. What if... Life is good, and everything has gone your way. What if life has been a struggle, living day to day? What if, good or bad, our lives are short, and we don't get a second try? What if life is short, and then we die? What then? What if life is more than what happens between birth and death? What if you're closer to eternity with every breath, and if eternity's your destiny, how much is your soul worth? What if this were your last hour on earth? What then? What if there is a God who cares about what we believe, who's more powerful and holy than we can conceive? What if it's true that he is loving, but he's a just judge as well? What if there is a heaven and a hell? What then? What if God's moral law, which we all know, was carved in stone to teach us so our depth of sin is shown? What if evil, selfish, godless thoughts still dominate our minds? And if in our hearts that's what we find, what then? What if thieves and liars have their part in the lake of fire? And men commit adultery who look with sexual desire. What if hatred toward our brother is seen as murder in God's sight? If if all our evil thoughts were brought to light, what then? What if your conscience is a mirror and it shows you where you where you fall and a look at God's commandments shows that you broke them all. What if your heart is your enemy and you sin no matter how you try and every day you're watching yourself die? What then? If there is a hell, we all deserve to end up there. We can't bribe God with empty works or repetitious prayer. Our sins of thought and word and deed of commission or neglect means that hell is all that we should expect. But then, what if the judge stepped in and paid the price we never could and signed the check to pay it in his own life's blood when he said justice must be satisfied so I'll die and take their place? What if God put on a human face? What then? 
What if that's the reason Jesus Christ was born and walked the earth to pay our sin debt with a payment infinite in worth? What if only he can save because only he paid the price on the cross through his blood sacrifice? What then? Then you must repent and turn to Christ. Put your whole trust in him because only he can pay your fine and cleanse your soul from sin. So don't say, I won't decide right now. Because if not now, then when? What if you died before you did? What then? There is nothing more important and nothing more valuable than the gift that God offers through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, then today, while God has given you time, turn from your sins and turn to the Savior. Turn to Jesus Christ and live. And if you have any questions about that, please come and talk to me after the service. But let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. I just pray that the stories I was able to share will be an encouragement that we will be reminded of the the value of the gospel, just how good you are to, to shed your blood so we wouldn't have to shed ours, to die so that we could live. Help us to remember how, how we are called to share that gift with those around us. Help us to remember that you have promised to fill us with your spirit. And that you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. That you will be standing next to us as we are sharing that gospel message. And help us to take up our cross and follow you in that journey. And I pray for for every person here. I, I pray for divine appointments. I pray, Lord, that you will show your goodness in giving them that opportunity and soon so that they will be encouraged to continue sharing the gospel whenever you give them that opportunity. I just ask these things in Jesus' name.